Hey, welcome to episode 31 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod system, the world's only tubeless insulin pod. Hello. Beth? Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. I am, let me see. You're a little oh, loud. I have the me. video turn. Oh, sorry, I have yeah. a mic. Let me see. Well, there's me. I don't see you. Yeah, am I, I supposed to see you? Or are you just audio? No, if you shut your video off, it saves bandwidth, too. Oh, okay. So I'm getting... Oh, let me turn off the air conditioner, too. It's that's, running. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. How's that? That is so much better. <laughs> um, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. I um, want to make sure I'm not even trying your last name. The, the Y uh, after the P had me, so. Um, pie attack, like a pie in the face, a pie attack. Literally pie attack. Got yep, it. yep. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, so, Beth, I was really thrilled. Like, I, I want to tell you that I was so thrilled when you reached out to want to do an episode because... of these 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 three simple like you know things about your life that I thought would make just a crazy great conversation and for a number of different reasons and I so um I so want to just explore them together on the phone like this I did no research whatsoever <laughs> okay so I, this this I definitely want this to feel like like a cup of coffee kind of a talk so um so you contacted me and you said I think I have an interesting perspective about type 1 diabetes and I'd like yeah. to be on the podcast. So, uh, yeah. So, so you. So I don't even know where to start. This is this is actually going to be really interesting. So, okay, what do you do for a living? So I'm a faculty member at USC, University of Southern California, and I'm in the occupational science and occupational therapy department. And uh, I mainly do research in um, diabetes management strategies from a kind of occupational therapy perspective. Okay, so it's fair fair to say you have a real intimate understanding of type 1 diabetes. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Okay, great. And I think that's fair to say, too. Now, you're married to a gentleman who <laughs> has type 1 diabetes? That's right, yeah. Diagnosed before you um, Yeah, around age 11 or 12. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I want to start first with, and you're a little loud, like if you don't need to be as on mic as you are, I don't think. Okay, I'll push it back a little bit. Let's see. Is that better? That's really good. Okay. So, okay, so so your husband, are we saying names? What's your husband's name? Sure. His name's AJ. Okay. AJ's diagnosed when he's 11, but you meet him when he's how old? Oh, 25 or so. Good for 26. you. I always yeah. tell my daughter, don't get married too early. And, and, <laughs> and so you meet AJ. He's, he's, got, he's got type 1. Is that something that you think about immediately when you're deciding about a second date? Not for me, although uh, as I started telling my family about him as we were dating, they had some kind of like scared reactions. Mm -hmm. Like, is this something you want to get into? Um, I, I guess I knew a little bit about diabetes, not a lot, but enough that I wasn't kind of like overly, you know, scared off by it. Yeah. Listen, do you have a do you have a volume on your mic, or do you have a gain? Uh, do I have a gain? I don't know. Let me uh. 
it's it there's it feels like there's too much game like so there's a little noisy and i'm trying to figure out here let me just text my he set this whole thing up and then he just like he like, <laughs> just abandoned you he's like good Later. luck <laughs> and i'm looking on my end to see if there's anything i can do to kind of knock it back a little bit there's a little noise tell him it see it feels like gain to me let's see what he thinks he did, you know what, he gave me a different set of headphones that he said might work better, so I can try that, too. Okay. I think this is better. Okay. It's there still, but it's, um, I've kind of tempted it down a little bit. So, all right, let's get back to it. Okay. So, so, so you, you meet AJ when you're, he's in his mid-20s, he was diagnosed when he was 11, and you you didn't have reservations, but your family did. Did they ever voice them in real words, or they, were they just like, oh, I don't know if I would do that? Were they in specific, or were they specific about it? No, I, I remember a specific conversation with my mom. I think we met in January, and I had gone home to see her in April, and I was telling her I met this guy, da da da. And funny enough, my dog, the family dog, had diabetes, <laughs> so that was my mom's like experience with this disease. Right? Uh, she's like. You know, I don't know. Be careful. Like, I don't know if you should be having children with him. Like, I don't know if you want to get serious about him. Like, think about what your future might look like. Like, she was very kind of explicit. Did she ever just back out and be like, look, it's hard to take care of this dog. I'm just telling you that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, it was more like, you know, your husband might, you know, something terrible is going to happen to him someday and you don't know when, you know. So in a real, in a real, like, kind of broad way as a mom, she's looking at you and I don't, it doesn't sound... Well, it sounds very personal. It would sound very personal if I had diabetes. It seems it feels personal as I think about my daughter trying to date when she gets older. But at the same time, if I remove my my attachment to type one and I think about myself, like how I, I, I move my kids through the world, there's many times where I say to them, like, are you sure yeah. there's not an easier way for this? Because you don't know him that well. You're young. Your mom's at this point, is your mom still married? Are your parents? My parents are divorced. She's remarried. Okay. They're both remarried. So yeah. Was she remarried when she was giving you this advice? Yeah, so she was. She's already like, look, <laughs> there's other guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, I liked your father. Then I didn't. Now I like this man. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. so she's got that kind of, you know, that exper- experience and perspective that that you don't. So I, I, so it's funny. It's hurtful, but I, I get why she would say that to you. So now. He must be a really special guy because you would, or did you, do you think now you're just married to AJ because you were bucking the system or, or were you just going against your mom? You're like, now I'm dating him. No, I think, well, at that point we were already pretty sort of established and in love and you know, all that. Um, and uh, you know, every marriage has its rocky points, but he's definitely, he's a great guy and it's worth the trade-offs of deep. Yeah. So my next question is then you're in love with him. She makes these kind of statements about, are you sure? which then must seem very personal, like more personal of an attack than just like, I don't like the way he looks or he don't, I don't think he's right. Did you, did you find yourself standing with him when she spoke or were you able to listen to her kind of clearly? It definitely got me a little defensive, but at, at the same time, I, like, I know where she's coming from. Cause I, I guess I knew enough at that point to kind of know what things could look like, but, but yeah, it, it's sort of like, you don't want, at, at that point I, we were partners and I was like, I'm going to support him through this. And it's not as bad as you might be thinking it is. And, you know, and at, at that point she hadn't met him. So it was kind of like this abstract idea of yeah, a guy. Sure. Yeah. And, and and so at this point you, you don't have the job you have now at that point though, right? No, I was in grad school. Grad yeah. School. Okay. So 
you date for a while. How old are you when you get married? When you start living together, I guess, is what I'm interested in. Uh, we, we moved in pretty quickly, like, that summer. And then we got married after uh, two years. Did, oh. did he share his type 1 with you, like, fairly openly? Or did, was it something he took care of and you didn't see very much in the beginning? I think, uh, well, he was pretty excited because when I met him, he had just recently started using an insulin pump. Uh, this was like the early 2000s. So um, he was pretty, I think before that he had been pretty private about it. And he was like, yeah, like this has changed my life and it's wonderful. And I want to tell everyone about it because I wish someone had told me about it. So um, I remember having a lot of those kind of conversations. He was out of the insulin pump closet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, okay. So, but how involved are were you then with his actual, like, would you say? Day to day. Yeah. Were, were you involved in his day to day at all? I mean, would he come to you and be like, can you put this site in for me? I'm putting it somewhere where I can't see it or, um, or uh, not really? I think I, I was interested in learning about it. I felt a little bit like I, I need to know what to do, like if something goes wrong and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I probably sort of pushed my way in more so than him, like asking me to, to be involved. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So do you remember the first time that diabetes needed your assistance? I remember a few times. I don't know which one came first. Um, there were a couple of scary lows. You know, one time we were in San Francisco on a weekend. It always seems to happen when we're traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of walking in such a great walking city. So we're just walking through neighborhoods. We kind of don't really know where we are. Uh, it was like Sunday afternoon. So a lot of like shops were closed and he started to go low. And we kind of realized like, we don't have enough sugar on us to get through this and we can't really find a place to like go buy, you know, cause it's usually not a problem just buy something. something yeah. So I'm kind of like panicking, like, like trying to figure out where we are and like, where's going to be a market that we can get to. And like, by the time we got somewhere, he was just like sweating and totally disoriented and like freaking out. So, so that was the first time I was kind of like, this is scary. It can be scary. And that happened. You were married at that point. Uh, I think we were dating or engaged at that point. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. So now you've got this experience about living with somebody who has type one, you see it personally and firsthand, you must feel as, you know, as close to it as you can get without having it. I know I feel that way with my daughter. So, um, and then you finish grad school. Do you go right into the line of work you're in right now? Or is it something you find your way to? Uh, I sort of started in grad school because I was doing um, a PhD. And so for that, you have to come up with like your own uh, original research project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working on some other projects. And basically what happened is that uh, I, I work in a health related field and the kind of projects and research we were doing in the division at that time and now um, are really helping people with chronic conditions to um, manage them more easily and help prevent complications and, you know, different conditions than diabetes. But I was starting to see, like, the same concepts were really relevant. So uh, I think having seen what it's like to live with diabetes and then seeing this kind of, like, I guess, construct that would be useful to apply to it, I sort of started to fit those two together. And I really stayed with that since then for the most part. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Having living living with type one in your personal life with your husband, and then working in a field where you then get a, a real medical perspective, so you have a personal perspective and a medical perspective. I'm assuming you probably felt as entrenched and comfortable and aware as you possibly could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I know this thing. Right, I right, got this. Right. There's there's no way there's no way 
that you there the ins and outs are 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 in, ingrained in you and and I feel that I literally feel that way and I don't have you know I don't have a job that lends itself to it um so then I then this is this is it right here like this question is why why I was like yes absolutely Beth you should come on the podcast <laughs> How many children do you have I have two kids Okay um their ages Uh my daughter is 6 and a half and my son is 2 and a half And your son has type 1 diabetes? My son was diagnosed earlier this year with type 1 diabetes. Okay. So it's August now. Earlier, you're, a few, you're only a few months into it? Yeah, this was March 31st. So it's, it's yeah. very new. Okay. Completely like starting over? Did you feel like a neophyte? In some ways, in some ways, I definitely did. And in some ways, I was like so grateful that I had, you know, the background that I did. Right. Did the diagnosis shock you, or do you think in the back of your head, were you ever, do you think you were half waiting for it to happen? You know, I, I was because of trial net. So my kids are both in trial net. And, um, so my son got first tested when he was a year old. And at that point he already had an antibody positive. So, so I was kind of watchfully waiting and, you know, praying obviously that it didn't happen, but yeah. Um, and so he's diagnosed he was he right around two when he was diagnosed, or he was yeah like two and two months. Okay, so Arden was two in like three weeks. So same same age. Yeah. And now, how do you leave the hospital? What kind of technology do you leave with? Well, uh, first of all, I guess we didn't go to the hospital. Or we didn't stay in the hospital, um, but we left on shots, and we're still on shots. We're still fighting with insurance to get other stuff authorized. So you didn't make it to the hospital because you saw it so early that he. Yeah. Yeah. We just went in for like a marathon clinic visit that same day and did all the training, did all the everything and went home. Do you think, were you treated that way by the institution because of your husband and your knowledge? Or do you think that's how they would have handled anybody in that situation? I know some places are starting to do more outpatient treatment. I think probably they felt more comfortable with it because they knew like these people kind of know what they're getting into. Um, it was definitely presented as like a choice. Like we could hospitalize you, you could get all the training here, or you know we'll do it now and you can go home. Okay, and obviously you so you guys chose that. Home is definitely better. And so you're okay. So you're doing injections on a two year old. Are you have the the little syringes that have like half units on them? Yeah, and they taught us to do quarter units, and which I didn't have, even. They yeah, have too much, right? Yeah. <laughs> I back then I took um I took some old insulin. I put red food coloring in it. And then I would uh, practice pulling up drops without looking, so I could kind of oh my gosh. feel the pressure, like in my like in my hand while I was doing it, like uh, because Arden weighed about eighteen pounds when she was diagnosed. Wow, yeah. So there were moments when it was just like, here's two drops. That should. Be <laughs> yeah, you can't even tell that the plunger is like going down it's when you're injecting it. Like pushing hard, you're like, <laughs> come out, come out. Yeah. And, and that it definitely it was like that for a while. Honestly, I just upped her all of her ratios today. Actually, I changed her insulin to carb, and her. Um, I kind of started thinking her insulin action time is not as long as I thought it was, so I adjusted that and stuff like that. But back then. I literally food coloring insulin. I was like, how, how little can I pull this thing? You know, like, and, yeah, <laughs> and that's, it was terrible for a while. Um, not, they wouldn't, so they won't let you, what are you trying to get that you can't get past? Uh, well, we are. So our, our insurance has like a six month waiting period for an insulin pump, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess pretty typical. So we're, we've been trying to, to uh, appeal that, but it's just, 
taken a long time to go through. The appeal will take um, about five and a half months. Right? I'm like, do we even bother at this point? It's like right around the corner. So They'll call you the week before the six months is up. They'll be like, hey, your Congratulations. Yeah, we, yeah. We, took, we took your paperwork out of the screw you file. There's a six-month waiting period, and we've called you now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. We, the uh, Dexcom, we did just start. Uh, I did just call my endo and say we wanted it, mostly because, really, of your podcast. Oh. Yeah. I'm glad. Wait till you see. <laughs> well, see, here's the great thing, and this is what I love. You'll, you're not even going to have to see the other side of it. You, you know what I mean? So, I mean, you'll still be grateful for it as it goes forward, and you and you see how it works and 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 what you can do with it. But I'm happy for you that you're never going to have that time that like those years of you know of just like drudging through the nights and, and, and constantly, yeah. I, I, I mean, and you even know if you were with it for a couple of months, I would sit in my living room, a stay at home father. I would sit in my living room, stare across the room at a two year old kid staring at her, trying to figure out what her blood sugar was all day. Like, that's how it felt. Like, I'm like, I wonder if she's low now. Should I test her? I wonder if I missed on the, like constantly just, they said dark circles under her eyes meant like she was low. But then I did more reading and some kids get dark circles. Under their <laughs> yeah. And some, you know, some people get dark circles when they're tired. And I was just like staring at her eyes, like going like, what, what am I, you know? What is this? And so I, I did a blog post one time years and years ago where I took 11 pictures of Arden at varying blood sugars and put them up. And just to prove like, you can't tell the difference between her yeah, blood totally. sugar in any of those pictures. So, and then plus when their body weight's so small in the swing could happen so quickly. Um, I just think it's, I think there's a, there's a stress and a worry that is immediately lifted. I mean, it's not completely lifted, but it's alleviated significantly. I think that helps your health as well. So I'm excited for you. So, so how long have you had it and how's it going? Oh, so we don't have the Dexcom oh, yet. Are you? Yet. Yeah, no, we're okay. still just like old school shots. Checking and uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. It's so easy to get two-year-olds to eat. To <laughs> it's all really good. Yeah. So, how is your husband with it? Is he like? Because I don't know. Like here, I guess my here's my my question. We're in a, a different time now. You're probably slightly younger than me, right? I'm I'm 44. Yeah. Are you? You're in your 30s. I'm in my thirties. Okay. And so you're, you're, you're probably a generation and a half or two generations behind me. Right. And so now I, I, nowadays makes me sound very old, but I think I might've been one of the first generations where people really looked at men and were like, he's going to help. Yeah. And so your husband and you, I imagine had that situation already, but has he dived in more than normal or is it something or, and the reason I'm asking is, um, Arden's diagnosed while we were on vacation. We come home, we make our first real endo appointment at our hospital. And and I, I think I've told the story before, but at the end of our first endo appointment, the doctor pulls us aside, sends the kids out of the room, and starts telling us that uh, the rate of divorce in America is one and two, but if you have a chronically ill child, it goes to two and three. And then she pauses for a second, looks at my wife and goes, the men usually aren't much help, and starts like telling my wife... <laughs> how I'm going to withdraw and, and this horrible, like psychological yeah. story about how, like when guys don't see, when guys, families don't start working out the way they dreamt of them, they give up on them like mentally. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, stop. <laughs> like, my kids have diabetes for like six days. Could you shut up for a already like, yeah. yeah. And so, and so my, my thought is, is do you see AJ? Like, is he more like, wow, something I really know about, like I can be really helpful. Has he always been like that? Like, how's that dynamic changed for you? 
Ah, uh, wow. Um, then don't get yourself divorced. Just, you know, <laughs> answers, no. Answers no, you know, it's, I'm thinking about like, if it was us having this conversation and how insulting that would be because like a diabetic father, like turning his back on the diabetic child, right? Like that would just, I think, you know, he identifies with Milo from that perspective. So, uh, and he's been, we don't have quite your situation, but I am like the primary breadwinner. Um, and work outside the home. And my husband does freelance and has a more flexible schedule and works from home. So what we do, uh, since he is still on shots, our our childcare doesn't give shots. So every day, with rare exception, uh, my husband is there at lunchtime to give him his insulin. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I really couldn't do it without that. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's such a weird, like, I think it's something none of us talk about, really. And it's that that kind of, like, that stress, like I was just, uh, the ADA just highlighted my blog for something and I had to answer some questions this morning by email. And while I was answering them, I, I, I was like, God, these, these seem so like, my answers seem cynical, I guess. But, <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, now I don't know what good any of this is. If, if somebody doesn't say out loud, you know, when your child's diagnosed with type one diabetes, it's a strain and, and it's, and it's not something, it's one of those things that like you walk out of the hospital feeling like, you look like, you know, you're like the, like, you're like reservoir dogs. You're out, your chests are up. You're like, we've got this whole thing. It's great. And then, you know, three days later at two o'clock in the morning, your kid's blood sugar is really low and you're like in your kitchen and your underwear yelling at each other. And you're like, wow, our, our, our strong alliance lasted like 48 hours. <laughs> right, right. So, Why did you bolus him? What were you thinking? You like, did the wrong thing. I remember literally standing in my kitchen one time. My wife is holding a glass of milk and I've got something else in my hand. And we're like, this will work better. This will work better. Was, yeah. And all I could think in the back of my mind was, God, the floor's so cold. <laughs> like that, That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, well, my, I don't have shoes on and the, the floor's so cold. And so you get past that, obviously, at some point. Yeah. And, the, you know, there's because we both have kind of, you know, equally valid, but really different kind of reservoirs of like knowledge about diabetes. Sure. Right. So so it, there's often those clashes of like, well, not often, but, you know, we have like, I think this would be the best way. I think this would be the best way. And you can't really argue in terms of like, well, I know best because because, you know, because you're standing there with a graduate degree and he's standing there with a life degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and 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 how you win. And no one's backing down. And here's why no one backs down. And this is really the important part. I think the thing to remind people of and why I think the conversation is valuable, you don't back down because you love your kid and in your heart you think you're saying something that's not just right, but it's because it's coming from you, it feels singularly correct. And, and, and so when anybody challenges it, it feels like they're challenging your desire to save your kid's life. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very, it cuts really deep, dude, it's so weird. And, and, and you do get past it at some point, but you, but not if you're not aware it's coming. Like that's, you know, that's the yeah. thing I think is important because otherwise, yeah. And I see it online all the time. Like people are just like, he's a jerk. You know, like it's that easy. Like she, she doesn't understand. And it's, I don't think it's ever that. I think it comes from a genuine place of, of just concern and love and, and, it's hard to take anyone's advice in that moment, really. So, yeah. well, this is so upbeat. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So, how has has had? I, I can't. I say how has as if I already know your answer, which I don't. But um, has your son's diagnosis changed anything about your focus at work or your desires professionally? Yes, uh, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to sort of play out. 
You know, I think there's lots in the research community, I guess I would say there's a big movement toward more kind of patient engagement, as they call it, or, you know, sort of partnering with um, people that are experiencing the conditions that we're studying and stuff. And I, I definitely saw the value in that before, but now I really see like you can't not do that. It's completely critical. And, and seeing kind of from a different angle, the ways that the diabetes community is, is engaging in research and then kind of pushing different agendas. It's really, it's really been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think the, the idea of community in general, like that's the first, that was one of the questions in the ADA uh, question. By the way, no one's going to have to read the blog post when I post it because I'm apparently going to give the whole thing away <laughs> here. Sorry, ADA. Um, but, you know, I, it's an obvious answer, but, you know, what would you tell a, new, a newly diagnosed person? And I think um, find community is the first thing I think. Like, you know, like go find other people who understand, um, you know, build some sort of a kinship with them. Let them support you while you're while you're figuring the entire thing out is like the first part of my answer. So um, I think any information that you can get back from the community is probably as valuable or maybe more valuable in some cases than actual medical information. So um, it's so cool. So what do you, what, tell me a little more about what, about what you do. Like big B, go, go dive deep as they say. Okay. Uh, so, so first of all, I guess you won't find many occupational therapists working in diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably most listeners won't really know what occupational therapy is. So, uh, what I would say about that is it's sort of a, um, health profession whose goal, singular goal, is to help people do the everyday activities that are valuable to them. So whether that's going to work, going to school, like simple things, brushing your teeth, getting dressed, in this case, you know, taking care of your diabetes. So we call all of these things occupations, which is where occupational therapy comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really sort of a like bottom up approach to healthcare, if you will, because you're really looking at like, how does your everyday life unfold? Like, what do you do when, from when you wake up to when you go to bed? That's like one of the first questions we ask people, uh, how does your day unfold? And so in, in my case, I'm really trying to use that sort of framework to look at how to make diabetes management easier, how to kind of make it more seamless. Like a lot of the things that you've, I've heard you talk about on your blog. Um, I was just listening to the episode where, uh, you're talking about Arden's softball tournament, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, she went low and you like went out to first base and gave her a juice box and you said she was badass. Um, so so some people I think really come up with that stuff on their own, but for the, for the type of person where that would be like a crisis and a big deal and a like, what do I do? Like my kid can't go to bat or, you know, that's these kinds of sort of thoughts or, or actions that someone else might take. It's really sort of thinking through like, how could we make this easier for you all to deal with? And what's, what are different ways sort of in those, like in the moment, uh, you know, conflicts or, or problems. So, and from the most simple to the largest, because I mean, because I, what I'm thinking when you're saying that is like, I'm remembering that moment and I remember her standing up there getting ready to hit and I looked at my phone, and she was. I should. I bet. I, if I'm remembering right, she's about 80, and she's diagonal down, and it's as hot as could be outside. And I remember thinking, this blood sugar might not hold up. And so I looked at. My wife was sitting in one of those, you know, sports parent chairs, and I looked at her because the the juice boxes were next to her, and I said, uh, I'm going to need a juice box. And I remember I just started walking towards Arden, and my wife tossed it to me, like, as I was walking, and I uh-huh. just kind of grabbed it and rolled over. I looked at the coach, and I was like, hey, when she, uh, an always a hopeful softball parent, I said, when she gets to first base, 
I need you to call a timeout real quick. Not, you know, if she strikes out, I'm going to go into the dugout. Because I didn't imagine that was going to happen. So she gets to first base. He calls timeout real quickly. She sucks this juice box down in a split second. And I walked away. And I'm never... Like, my personality, or the way I think about this, or maybe the mixture of the two... That none of that seemed odd or rattling to me. There were 150 people watching the game. I never once considered them. Like I have, I have just enough narcissism not to care what other people think. <laughs> I think is yeah. probably what it boils down to. And um, but for the people who would be a like, go wow, what should I do? Or B, I know what to do, but how do I break into a big social situation like this? Like, like so you 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 help people find steps through through everyday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, solving those puzzles. No, that's so cool. And and do you? How often do you see it work most of the time? Like when you give people tools, do you see them put them into action? I I mean, so it's always a process, and I think it works best when we sort of help people figure out on their own, like what's going to work best for them, like kind of guiding them through the process instead of being like, well, if it was me, I would do X, Y, and Z, you know, because because you sort of know your own life circumstances best, and sometimes it just takes someone kind of reflecting that back to you to think through, like, what are some other ways I could deal with this? Well, that's what I was going to say next is do you find that they see what the steps are but just don't know how to put them in motion? sometimes or sometimes there's some like critical piece of information like someone someone in the study we're doing right now they're like they're not carb counting yet right so they're still on this fixed regimen of of you know insulin every meal and the guy goes and he tells the therapist um you know i carb counting is kind of interesting to me but you know i don't really want to plan out you know my whole day before i eat it and then like figure out the ratios and and the therapist is like hmm that would be hard, but let me tell you another way that carb counting can work. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like you can just do it on the fly. So, so if you kind of have those misconceptions, you don't really always get to the root of them until you're talking through like, what does it actually look like? Yeah. And it's funny how then those tools and other, like you're, so in that example, right. Of carb counting, like, and especially with your son being so little, like I, I'm just thinking last night at dinner time. I was sitting at, we have a very open floor plan in our house. So I was sitting at this desk where I'm at right now and I was putting up the last episode of the podcast, which by the time this goes up will be a month ago probably. But Arden is sitting at the island with my wife and I made food. I really, my wife's going to kill me for it, making it, making it, making it sound like I do everything, which I don't, <laughs> do, I don't do everything. But um, I cooked dinner. I put plates out. I had eaten already because I, I was trying to get to something else and I had to run out to go with my son. I came back over the desk to try to get the podcast ready real quickly. And Arden's like, I, it, how much, like, what, how many carbs is this? And she held her plate up and I just stared at it. And I could feel myself going, eh, 10, 5, mm-hmm. 20, 35, eh, try 55. Yeah. And, and she did it. But, you know, with the Dexcom, 30 minutes later, if I miss one way or the other, I know. And then you, you can adjust from there. It's not, it doesn't, it's not four hours later. It yeah. And it, you're, you're not either making a decision that's either going to have you feeling low in 45 minutes, have your blood sugar be 353 hours later, or it, it's, it's now not such a critical life and death situation. Like I can miss by 10 carbs one way or the other and figure it out, you know, on the fly without it affecting our blood sugar poorly. That kind of stuff is, that's crazy next step stuff because it, in the past, it was how many carbs are this? Here's the insulin. I'm not going to poke your finger 9,000 times over the next two hours. So we'll wait yeah. an amount of time that I find the insulin sort of usually works in, and then we'll test that. It just, 
it's a it's a big leap. And and if you have anxiety about that, about counting carbs or something like that, I can see where that would would be helpful. But if someone talks to you about it, and that's part of the reason why I like doing the podcast, if people talk to you about it using that technology in practical ways, not just the ways that the FDA will let the company say, or, you know, the, the doctor's office then feels, you know, obligated, obligated to, yeah. to then regurgitate and then send you out the door with this like bazooka that you're using like a pea shooter, you, you, you know, because, <laughs> because they've dumbed down what it is and, or don't understand, not, not that the company would understand, but, and, and you might may or may not find this and people may or may not find this, but there's times where your endo says things to you and I'm like, do you even know what you're talking about? Like, am I just here because you have the A1C test? Like, like, is that why? <laughs> you, you know, like it's a magic. Yeah. If I had my own lab, there are days I'm like, I don't know that I would need to come here to you. Like, like you know, like, like when you start getting asked questions by your doctor, instead of them giving you answers, <laughs> you're like, well, my copay, I, I, some days I want to be like, it's a $40 copay. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you don't mind. I have all the answers you need, but it's Can I get bucks. a copy of your insurance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to just make sure this is a legitimate transaction. Um, so cool. So you are doing really great stuff. Do you, um, my wife moved from, my wife's in drug safety in pharma, and she got an opportunity to go to Novo Nordisk a couple years ago. And one of the deciding factors besides it being much closer to our house than the job she was driving to previously was that Novo, you know, even though it's a pharma company, it, it very technically is a charity. It's a, you know, and they, if you look, they have a, you know, their, their goal is to help or cure type one diabetes. So my wife was like, well, if I'm going to be working for a pharma company, I might as well be at one who's thinking about diabetes all the time. And, and do you, does that give you, does, here, here's what I'll say. I was, I'm going to ask you if your job gives you comfort now that your son's been diagnosed. But I can tell you that this blog partially, my blog partially got started because I didn't have the life skills that you have. And I wanted to try to give back. And my giving back was I thought I could create awareness. And then that awareness might make someone else who's you know better suited intellectually get involved in diabetes research or, or, or things like that. So how does that, does, is going to work easier than it used to be? Like, are you a little fresh footed in the morning? <laughs> I think it works sort of both ways because I do, I mean, it's so rewarding. Like when I see people that are, are being helped by, by what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those moments. And then sometimes it's sort of like, I have no, like, I feel like I have no escape from diabetes, like 24 seven. This is my life. You, you know, hear that word. I bet you hear that word a thousand times a day and don't even realize it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, uh, you just want to like, not, you know, I don't want to have to like problem solve for the people that are getting our therapy and problem solve for my child. And my, it's just like, no, we'll see. Now that's a great example because it's not the way I thought of it, but it, that sounds more, much more real world. I'm trying to decide if my wife would want to come home at the end of the day. And if my children's health was tied to what her job is, if she would just be like, Oh my God, still like I'm home. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, it, Can someone well, else do this for now? It's super interesting, actually. I um, wow, yeah, that 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 threw me for a loop. That makes a lot of sense. I, I people, I you know, every once in a while, you hear somebody say like, you know, if they if they cure type one diabetes, what are you going to do the next day? And my answer is always the same. I'm going to lay down an edict that no one says the word diabetes out loud ever again, and <laughs> I'm going to sleep for like a month, and then and yeah, you know, and, and then I'm going to wake up a month later and. and hopefully feel refreshed but um yeah wow see that's so interesting so you're uh that's 
Well, see, now you twisted me up because like, <laughs> this must be like this must be life affirming. And you're like, I hear the word diabetes in my sleep, buddy. Um, <laughs> that's nuts. I hear the ad music, so I should probably read an ad. You want to do what you want without worrying, including all of those fun fall activities? Omnipod can help. You get continuous insulin delivery, and it's waterproof, so you don't have to disconnect for daily activities. Even better, it's totally discreet, with no tubing to tangle or to dictate what you wear, which is pretty great. The best way to understand Omnipod is to try it for yourself, so get a free demo kit, including a sample non-functioning pod, by going to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo and see what you think. There's absolutely no obligation. You know that ad, what is going on? Siri, oh, I must have said, hey Siri, and now Siri wants, I should ask her something. Hey Siri, uh, Google Omnipod. You'll need to unlock I gotta unlock my first. iPhone first, this is ridiculous, hold on. Searching Google for on the run. Not on the run, Omnipod. I'll tell you what, reading this ad made me think of something. You know, the ad talks about there not being any tubing and, you know, there not being any problems with, you know, using the pod and water. It made me think of the other night Arden was uh, sitting in the living room reading her book and she kind of jumps up and announces out of nowhere, I'm going to go get a shower. So I said, hey, just test your blood sugar first before you go. She tested. She needed a little insulin. I said, uh, let's bolus that much. And then we got talking about a book she was reading. She went upstairs and we forgot to bolus this half a unit of insulin. So she left um, her Omnipod PDM, which is the controller for the Omnipod. She just kind of put it on the table after she tested. She didn't take it up to the shower with her. And I walked through the first floor of my house into the kitchen area, uh, which is underneath of Arden's, uh, where Arden was taking a shower. And I pushed the button, kind of held the PDM up in the air a little bit. It was able to get a status off of Arden's pod while she was in the shower. I could hear her splashing around. And I bolused the half of unit um, while she was in the shower. And then when she came down a little bit, she's like, hey, I forgot to uh, take that insulin that we were talking about before the shower. And I said, don't worry. I gave it to you while you were in the shower. So uh, tubeless is, uh, is, it means more than just tubeless, I guess. Your husband use a Dexcom? No, no. It's uh, yeah. And so that's interesting. So he's had diabetes since he was 11. He's probably in his mid-30s too, right? Right. Um, I have a friend, Mike, who I think listens to the podcast sometimes. So hey, Mike. Mike is my age and has had type 1 since we were in probably seniors in high school. And I've noticed, you know, in conversations with Mike in the past and then having talked to him that sometimes you get so kind of entrenched with how you do things that anything new seems like frightening, scary, unnecessary, like the whole thing. Yeah, like you've got this thing and it's working and you don't want to mix it up. Right, right. I'm So now I'm so interested, like like there's like part of me that wants to say to you, like put me on your calendar for six months for now. Like I want to know, <laughs> know if your husband's walking it's around changed. going, I'm going to get a glucose monitor, <laughs> you know, or if, or if he'll still be okay or oh, that's so much, that's so crazy. So what is your, um, your daughter is a few years older than your son, you said? Yeah, she's in first grade. She's sick. She's in first grade. How? What's her reaction like to the type 1? Does it seem very, like, like normal because of your husband, do you think? Or or has she wondered if she, like, is it, is she, is she too young to start, like, doing the math and be like, hey, is this going to happen to me? Or where are you at with that? 
She has, um, she's mentioned it a few times and it's great having, you know, two people with diabetes in the house. Cause I just go, well, let's check your sugar and see. And, yeah. and of course it's always perfect. Um, but she, I think she adapted pretty quickly. She started, um, you know, we always have these conversations around the dinner table, like about carb counts and dosing and occasional she'll, she'll chime in and be like, I, I think that's 20 or, you know, I think that's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're probably pretty close. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so my so because people, I ask you because people ask me all the time like how does your I have an older son he's fifteen how has Arden's diabetes affected him and I I don't think that I have my head in in the sand like I don't think it I think it's just part of our life like I don't think it affects him much differently than than if we bought a new sofa and it's a weird analogy <laughs> like, I think it's just something that changes in the house and we all kind of keep living and that's that's the end of it and people are like oh it, it must feel and I know we we there were times when we spent more time with her or, you know, there are times when you're, you're getting ready to leave the house and it's like, well, we need to wait a couple minutes till we see if her blood sugar kind of stabilizes when she was little or, you know, yeah. we, you know, we, 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 sometimes we'll take an extra lap around the town before we go into a restaurant waiting for insulin to work or something, you know, something like that. But I'm from like, I, I don't know if you're from out West and that's where you're living, but, um, but I'm from right outside of Philadelphia. So I have just enough of my father's parenting. It, most of it wasn't good parenting, but there was that there's that one part of it, that Philadelphia part of it that that I found so I was explaining to somebody the other day and they there's like is it really harsh in Philly like people talk about? And I said, "Here's Philadelphia in my opinion. You can walk down the street and a thousand people might mock you for something that you feel completely insecure about and there's no reason <laughs> for them to, to give you crap. But if you were to trip over the curb and fall and hurt yourself, 5,000 people, including those thousand people, would run over and make sure you're okay. Like it's a very it's a very blue collar thing. Like it's hard to, it's, it's almost hard to put your thumb on unless you're there and, and I've grown up with it. And I've taken just enough of that, like in my parenting, like if, if we're going to try to eat dinner 20 minutes from now, but Arden's blood sugar isn't cooperating and it needs to be 40 minutes from now. If my kid were to come, if my son was to complain about that, I would probably just look him in the face and be like, shut up. And that like, would, do you want diabetes? Just, 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 yeah. Go find something to do for 15 minutes and I'll let you know. Like it's not the end of the world. And, and because that's our kind of attitude in the house, that's not something that he like throws a wall up about. He doesn't get, you know, touchy about it or, or hurt. He's just like, eh, all right. And you're probably right. And I, and he kind of goes on his business and comes back again. But I think that's a, I think that's more of an expectation that's been set by us that we just kind of follow through on. This you is know. just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. This is how things go. So I, I just think that being overdramatic or, or at times, I think there's a fine line between people having their feelings and allowing kids to overdramatize things. And some, sometimes when I see things going the other way, I, I throw up a stop sign. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think we've gone past the part where I'm allowed to, where I'm supposed to let you feel this at, right up to the part where I'm supposed to tell you, you need to deal with it and stop, you, you know? So I, I hope that works that way for you. And it sounds like, I mean, it's probably so ingrained in your house. I don't even, she, she's probably, she's probably going to be giving that boy shots soon. I would. Have <laughs> oh my gosh. That'll be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's already trying to like check his own blood sugar, you know? And oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Arden, Arden, because of Dexcom, Arden complains every time. I'm like, I think we need to check. You know, we need to check here. I, right. she, I guess she gets the uh like like that. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, it could be way worse. Just check. You, you know, and um and and 
but she's at such an interesting uh at a, such an interesting age at this point like you know 11 is yeah for a girl like it's really she's she's coming into it now so uh, <laughs> from what i hear from people who are older it's going to be a uh, it's going to get crazy at some point. <laughs> well, it will. You know, I, most of my work is with like the 18 to 30 year old range. So they're just starting to kind of come to their rational senses. And uh, it's fun to see that. But uh, I know the road, you know, you're facing. <laughs> you have a wall before you get there. I say to my son sometimes, I'm, I'm like, I know your brain's not formed yet. <laughs> and I know you don't understand what I'm saying. But just go with me. I just really need you to roll with this for a second. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, okay. So, how are you, like, personally, like, honestly, like, how, 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 how are you? Because you're a person who, who's devoted their personal life, like their professional life, to helping other people. You met and fell in love with a guy and are married to a guy who has a, a medical challenge, and now your son has one. Are you okay? Are you finding? your community is or have you been too caught up in it i think i think i'm doing as well as i can be i think probably the challenge for most people in helping professions is we know all of these like things that we're supposed to do and things that are helpful and sort of applying that to ourselves is uh, harder than, you know, helping other people. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep that in mind. And I think one of the wonderful things about my work is that like, you know, when I emailed everyone on March 31st and said, Milo has diabetes, I'm going to be out for a while. Like they knew exactly what that meant and you know, what we were going to be dealing with. So, uh, I've been really well supported, I think. Uh, but it's, it, it still just is what it is. You know what I mean? Like we still are getting up in the middle of the night and we yeah. still have, you know, the shots, you know, I like, I am late to work every single day because I drop my son off <laughs> and they have food at daycare and I have to make sure that he's like done eating or that he got enough insulin. So, you know, people are <laughs> standing at the door going, you know, people don't need to eat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They can skip eating once in a while. I got to go to work. <laughs> like, can we schedule an eight thirty meeting? I'm like, sure, but I- I'm not going to be, be there. there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, so. it is a difficult, I don't know, you know, I wonder sometimes how, how like single families, like single parent families handle things like this. It's, it must be so overwhelming, but it is so important because the stress, even if you don't see it, like, I mean, it, it hit me really hard in the beginning. I, and I think between the stress of it and the anxiety and the sleep, the broken sleep, like I gained a lot of weight, but it didn't change my eating habits at all. And then, yeah. and then we, and then we added an insulin pump and I could literally feel my, my, you know, my, my stress kind of lessened and I lost 20 pounds and then we got a Dexcom and the stress went away more and I lost another 20 pounds. And I was like, wow, like that's just, that was affecting me so much, you, you know? Um, and it's hard to make time, you know, everybody's like, oh, you should be doing this and you should do that and you should do that. And it's like, well, but the rest of my life didn't go away. Like I still have a full-time job. I still have to cook dinner and clean my house. And yes. now I have to also care for diabetes and, you know, like. Yeah, but there wasn't free time that was made. All the free <laughs> yeah. time got taken away. I know I should go for a walk around the neighborhood. Thank right? you. Yeah. No, I don't have a jug where I mark off how much water I drink every day. That's <laughs> such a wonderful idea. <laughs> If only I, if only I would have thought of that. Um, yeah, it, it, and and listen, the real, the real honesty of it is, and and this is again, sorry, ADA, you probably don't need to post this blog anymore. But um, but but when they asked me, they asked me in this in this thing today, I I gave them an answer that I said I know you can't use this, but here's my real answer, and then I, here's the nice blog answer I put underneath. But but he said, what keeps you going? 
when it's tiring or daunting or, or that kind of thing, like what keeps you going? And I said to him, honestly, it, this is, it's, it might sound harsh, but I hope it sounds beautiful. I, I want to die before my daughter and I want to go out with her not having any side effects like that. The, the, I can't lay on, you know, if I get to be one of the lucky people who lays in a bed and dies, I don't, I don't want to sit there thinking like, wow, I, I'm leaving and this is happening to her. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like that, that probably sounds, you know, like I'm thinking about myself, but, but I'm not, I'm, I'm thinking about her. I'm just trying to use that as an example. But, but in the end, you know, and I, I do think I'm, I might be repeating myself on the podcast, but it's probably going to be a month or so later since I said this before, but, and I, I hope it doesn't sound too harsh, but a granule of sugar on your tabletop is coarse and jagged. And when you make it microscopic, it's still coarse and jagged. And when it's flowing through your veins, it is scraping the inside of your body. If there's too much of it in there. And I think about that when it's hard to get out of bed, like I, you know, her blood sugar is high. I need to get it down because uh, because she's being sandblasted from the inside out, you know, and, and it doesn't matter. And how, how do you find time in that moment to think, well, I'm tired, like, or I have to do like, like how, how does anything you can say after that take precedence over that? Like, I don't understand like how to do that. And that is people will listen to that and go, well, you have to. And, and I do, I find time for myself, but day to day adds up to week to week that adds up to month to month really quickly. And there's nothing else, nothing else you could say to me that wouldn't give me that feeling that I need to do this before anything else. And, and that ends up being before my own good health. The only thing that stops it is the knowledge that if I'm not here, I can't do it. It, re it really is weird what happens to you when you make a baby. Because <laughs> you know? trust me, you find me when I'm 18 and, and tell me I needed to lose sleep to save someone's life. And I'd be like, that person's <laughs> going to die yeah, yeah, because I got to sleep. So... But it just really, I think that's what, I think that's what parenting is. I think when you go to have a baby, you think I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to love it. I'm going to take great care of it. But nobody thinks it might get an endocrine issue. It, you know, I, I, my, my kid might have a, a chronic illness, but once that happens, I don't see how that changes the, the decision, you, you, you know? So, um, well you, your son's lucky. <laughs> He's, got, he's, got, he's so lucky he's to have so lucky. That little boy that got diabetes, such a lucky little boy. Um, it, well, you know, I, uh, yeah. Post-diagnosis, he's lucky. <laughs> if anyone, you know, someone said like, you know, there's going to be kids that get diabetes and they should be the kids that end up in, you know, families like yours. So that's one way. That's nice a very think nice about. thought. Look at people who like you. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot. At least they didn't say, oh, well, I'm sure you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> At least they're not whispering behind your back. I think she should give him up for adoption. <laughs> She's not ready for this. Um, yeah, yeah, no kidding. I uh, I have to say that it just you, you, there's a lot of life in your voice and a lot of spirit early on. And I want to tell you that if somebody would have interviewed me six months after my daughter was diagnosed, I would have sounded like I was you know on a few. <laughs> so I, I you're either like drinking a ton of coffee or you're. <laughs> insanely optimistic person which i think i like um okay so did you was this anything like you thought it was going to be that's a good question wow um medically it's pretty much like i thought it was going to be i think that the the learning curve has been socially and in 
you know, in preschool and at parties and all of that stuff has been the, the learning curve. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to, I, I'm pretty sure there was um, a get together a couple of weeks ago that my daughter wasn't invited to probably because of Oh God. Yeah. And, and it's weird because there's a whole part of me that understands like why someone wouldn't want to like, like dive down that rabbit hole. You know, you know what I mean? So, and then the rest of you is just angry. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and, and, and that's, that's definitely difficult, but I would say that most people aren't like that. Uh, we've got, you know, even just acquaintances that are all very willing to like, you know, sit down with you for an hour before a sleepover and go over things. And, you know, you, you leave, the last thing I do before I leave is you put the Dexcom app on their iPhone and then they're getting, you know, alarms and, and, um, before you know it, you, you, you are creating diabetes advocates when you do that because you pick them up the they next get to day. See. <laughs> yeah. I, one father who I don't know, like I, the whole conversation was with the mom and the dad kind of sat off to the side and, uh, he and I are just, from two different worlds we don't have a lot in common really and and the next day i came back to pick up arden and he was just a different person to me like he was like wow. hey, how are you like like he, there you could the empathy was just like pouring out of him you know what i mean like it was uh it was one day <laughs> it was not, i don't even think it was a full day i think it was like six o'clock at night until 11 o'clock in the morning and he he met me at the door like hey brother are you all right <laughs> i was like <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little tired, actually. He goes, I can see why. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Did you sleep at all? And he goes, no, not really. He's like, I couldn't bring myself to close my eyes. And I was like, yeah, that that's pretty much what it is right there. So, um, but okay, so. I and that's where, oh. Uh, no, God, please. Just, I was just going to say that's where the community and like things like, that's how I found your podcast, actually. So we had this, you know, birthday party that was like. I think Milo had a great time, but for me, it was disastrous. And so just like, how, how do you do these things? And how do you have like some kind of a normal life is, is what I've been trying to learn about and figure out. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just helps to hear. It, it didn't help at first because I thought, okay, this is going to, I'll hear from someone that says like, it gets better and this is what we do. And it's so easy. And what I hear is that it's not easier and it's not really better, but you just, this is how we deal with it. Yeah. I, I so. again, again, last time, really sorry, ADA, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I would tell people and I've said it before and I've written it down and I would say it again, diabetes never gets easier. It's always diabetes. What happens is, is that you go, you have these experiences over and over and over again until they are just so ingrained in you that your reactions to them are automatic. No different than if somebody threw a ball at your face and then they don't cause you stress anymore and they don't cause you worry. There's no turmoil and you make good decisions, but you have to sometimes live through each one of those micro experiences a half a dozen, a dozen times before before it really clicks with you, you know? And so that's why the beginning is so difficult. But there is a switch that gets thrown at some point when you when you get your, I hate to say 10,000 hours, but when, when, you, when <laughs> yeah. you've been in the simulator long enough, you, you know? By the way, I hate to say 10,000 hours because that's not how long it takes. It takes much longer. <laughs> not because it's cliched, but because it's it's off by about 50,000 hours. But um, but it's, then at some point, it's just, it's no big deal. And and then that's when you can make this, like you said, Milo had uh, like a disastrous birthday party. What happened? Did, did blood sugar get really high? 
No, it wasn't even about the blood sugar. I think it was just like the environment, you know, birthday parties and two-year-olds, like there's food everywhere. And and I guess I was going into the party hoping and expecting to be able to socialize a little bit myself, like with the other parents. <laughs> Hold on a second. Give me, give me a second. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, never mind. I've brought a crazy person to you here in the podcast today. <laughs> and uh, I apologize. <laughs> like I'm looking forward to seeing them. It's been a long time, et cetera. And of course, you know, what happens is two hours of me following him around and trying to like keep track of what he's eating, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and it just felt like this is so depressing. Like this is, you yeah. know, it is depressing at first. It really is. And there's no way around it. So don't even try. And <laughs> it just, it's not worth trying to get past. I would say that, you know, littlest things, an insulin pump, a glucose monitor, those things change. They'll change that moment for you in a split second. Like being able to just, remote I don't yeah I don't know what I don't know what insulin pump you're looking at but like Arden uses Omnipod so it's not even like you don't even have to you know it's it's wireless and so you know there's times where you just you bolus for grazing you're just like okay let me just throw 30 carbs on here for almost no reason and then watch as it happens and then don't be scared because the CGM's telling me we're holding steady, we're holding steady, we're holding steady. And if we get to a spot where it starts falling, you just say, hey, you know, that's when you get to, that's when you get. You get to be the good guy. You're like, oh, Yo, you haven't even had a cupcake yet. What's going on? Like, yeah. like, like this morning's a great example. Arden gets up this morning. She comes wandering down the steps. She looks like a little woman. It's so funny. And she's got her hair and she's thrown it back and her bag's over her shoulder because it's where her diabetes supplies are. And she goes, uh. I was thinking I would like scrambled eggs, pork roll, and a, and a bagel for breakfast. And I was like, okay. So I fry up this pork roll, which man, that might be such a local food. Maybe no one understands what it is. But um, come to Philly or Jersey. And, Taylor ham. And ask for a Taylor ham. And cheese, right? So, and so uh, I, fry, I scramble some eggs. I fry up the pork roll. I take this big fat. I don't even have any real bagels. It's like, you know, from the supermarket. It's it's going to crush her, like you know what I mean. If I, <laughs> like if I don't do it right, so I'm, I'm like, all right, well, what's your blood sugar now? She says her CGM says 130. I said, go ahead and bolus for 70 carbs right now. Now the bagel's only 50 carbs, but trust me, 50 isn't going to do it. So we're bolusing, we're temp basing. I am rushing insulin into her to combat this bagel. And 20 minutes later, she starts eating. I see her blood sugar's kind of drifting down, just where I want it to be. I'm cleaning up after myself in the kitchen and I turn around, she's hopping down. She's like, I'm not, she ate some of the pork rolls. She had a bunch of the eggs and eats like (laughs) two thirds of half of the bagel. Oh no. And then she grabs her glove and she's like, let's go outside and throw the ball for a while. And I was like, I gave you enough insulin to like put a horse down. Like you didn't didn't need eat the bagel. And, And she's like, oh, I'll figure it out. And no kidding. We went outside, we threw a softball around. Came back in. I said, hey, you're 91 diagonal down. I said, it's about ready. Like, it's getting ready to happen. Like, it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, she looked in the in the drawers and she was like, can I have Oreos? And I was like, yeah, sure. Now, I, we have a pack of Oreos that lives in there until they're bad. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, nobody really touches them for, for very much. But how often do I get to tell my daughter, go ahead, grab like three or four Oreos. It'll be Yeah, cool. right. Like, you know? And then to show you what a lifestyle it is. She eats one Oreo and she goes, these are so sweet. I don't really want these. <laughs> and she's like, I'm just, and then she gets this big look on her face. She's like, I'm going to have iced tea that has sugar in it. I was like, okay. Like, cause that never happens for her. Right. So she had a big glass of iced tea and then she went upstairs to clean out her backpack while you and I are talking. And I'm not sitting here like freaking out, freaking out because, um, I, 
just pushed a button on my phone, and I swear to God, I'm going to screen capture this because no one's going to believe it, okay? Arden's blood sugar is 100. <laughs> it's the magic 100. It is, and, which, by the way, I'm going to do a whole episode on that sometime. I get that it's fun when you hit 100 because <laughs> it's like a round number and it's exciting. It's not a perfect blood sugar, by the way. You could be yeah, 90. Right. <laughs> 80 would be better. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Without... Without CGM, and I don't want to keep you too much longer, but without CGM and on shots, what is your, what's your goal? Like, what range are you like, wow, we did it, like right now? Right now, we try to stay between 70 and 150. Um, at school, it's a little higher, like 100 to 200. Well, we don't, they don't treat lows actually until under 70. And at night, we try and stay like 100 to 200. Yeah, that's very, very aggressive and reasonable and good for yeah you. and i know some people freak out like what are you you know that's too but yeah no good for you that's that's i i i don't let the fear get get you like you you, you know what i mean because you're just trading i just i don't know if you've listened to the episode with chris freeman um chris is an olympic uh, cross-country skier and I, I i he and i talked a couple episodes ago but we talked about that health like that idea of just you know you can't just say well, 180 is not that bad. 180 is 80 points higher than you were shooting for. Yeah. That's double. Yeah. That's, I'm, There's I'm, no free lunch. I'm it's not, like, yeah, I'm not calling it bad. I'm just saying lowers, lower be better. You, you, you know, and so, and why not? So if you can shoot for 180, why can't you shoot for 130? Like, what's the real difference? And, and I, I maintain the only difference is the fear of getting low. And, and so if you test at appropriate time frames and you're willing to do what you're doing, then you could pretty much stave that off. And if you add a glucose monitor, um, I mean, I, that, that pretty much for me is, is where I got the rest of my nerve to, to stay down, you know, at lower blood sugars. So, yeah. And I think it helped. I mean, obviously having the 25 years of type one under the belt with my husband helps so much because we've seen 37, we've seen 40, you know, we've seen these things that don't kill him and yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's really is. It really is. Again, it's the first time I saw, you know, on Arden's Dexcom, she was, you know, 50 with two arrows down. There was like a, there was a little voice inside of me that was like, you better not screw this up. Like, I think you've got about two minutes and one chance here to fix this. <laughs> but I've seen blood sugars like that since then. And I'm not saying they're not, they don't need to be handled immediately. They, mm -hmm. they obviously absolutely do. But it doesn't throw me into a panic, you know, yeah. the way it used to. So, all right. Beth, you are you you've you've got all the bases covered here i think you're going to be you're either going to be fine or you're going to run away i can't tell you <laughs> i got a suitcase in the front closet don't tell my husband <laughs> dear aj my mom was right goodbye right <laughs> good luck dear mom yeah sorry <laughs> can i crash on the couch yeah, for a few yeah, i'm on my way over to tell you <laughs> I think you might have been right about this whole thing. Well, no. So you are, listen, you're, I, I think that to go all the way back to the beginning to make a great point, because a lot of parents of kids do listen to this and to not end on a joke, but to end on this, you just talked to, like, you just heard Beth for an hour. She is a, a wildly intelligent and, and, and beautiful person who saw a young man with type 1 diabetes and fell in love with him. So for all of you out there who are, like, looking at your kids and thinking, like, no one's going to want this burden in their life. Like, the right person will. So, you know, that's pretty much... Well, I think we should definitely end on feeling good, not joking around about nice. your mom. Yeah. <laughs> not joking around about your mom being like, not, the, not that one, Don't Beth. Marry not that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, Beth, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks. I really like talking with you. Oh, cool. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Please um, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app or on iTunes. If you're an iTunes listener and you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review. You can find me on the social medias at Arden's Day or at Juicebox Podcast. The type 1 diabetes blog that I write is at Ardensday.com. You can listen to the podcast online at juiceboxpodcast.com or at ardensday.com. And last but not least, thank you to Omnipod for sponsoring this episode. Don't don't forget you can get a free demo kit that includes a sample non-functioning pod by going to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo.